This Choircast podcast is brought to you by The Joy of Letting Go by Kevin Sweeney. When one of the great living mystics, Richard Rohr, writes, all great spirituality is somehow about letting go. Do we just skim by it and look for the next great quote? Or do we allow this truth to utterly change our relationship with God, humanity, and reality itself? And if we accept letting go as the key to transformation, the question becomes how? How is each life-altering step of the spiritual journey somehow about letting go? Well, my new book, The Joy of Letting Go, is the answer to that question. My dream is that everyone who reads this will open up to the possibility that to engage everything from the concrete to the cosmic and from the tiniest arguments with your partner to the biggest social tragedies of our time without losing our joy, we have to learn how to let go. Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is not church with John and Nat Turney. Do, 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 hanging out with Keith. Do, 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 we're hanging out with Keith. Take a look, I bet he wrote another book in the time that it took to sing the silliest song called Hanging Out, Hanging Out with Keith. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> hey, I've perfected the song, John, but you don't know where I'm going to go with it. I know, I was going to sing along with you, but it's supposed to be catching up with Keith. Catching well, up with But we're not catching up, we're hanging out. I, this is oh. different. I wanted to change things up. I mean, yeah. who wants to be predictable? I was literally working on harmonies and everything, and you just completely messed <laughs> I'm sorry. Me. Did I just screw you over? Okay, you fine, did. we'll do it again. No, no, no I'm not no. doing it again. That was bad enough the first time. I just thought I'd try and get through it and be like, hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Um, this, is, uh, this is the podcast. This is the, how, many times, how many times can you say the word podcast in four minutes? So this is the podcast. This is the podcast we call the podcast podcast. Um, for the people who are all of us podcasters. It's really strange, but uh, this is not church because, you know, if it was church, you would have left by now. So uh, we congratulate you, by the way, for sticking around this long. If you haven't actually shut, you know, app, uh, whatever, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, you're, if you haven't shut it off, thank you. I, I congratulate you for your endurance. Uh, you're about to be paid off with another awesome conversation with our good buddy, Keith Giles. Though he needs no introduction, we'll get one anyway. So. Keith is a, uh, a best-selling author of many, many books. I think he writes about one a week now. That's, that's he's on pace <laughs> to uh, to uh, become the most prolific writer in choir's history. It'll be a record no one will ever catch. But his uh, his his current book, Sola Deus. Yes. All right, I said it right. I wasn't sure if it was Sola or Solo. Sola is is currently out and you know killing it and on the charts and everything and. Um, he's also a podcaster, or one of the co-hosts of Heretic Happy Hour and Apostates Anonymous, and also Second Cup with Keith, which apparently is back. It's back, so, baby. If you've ever wondered, like I do, where the hell he finds the time, I have found out that it's a mixture of coffee and crystal meth. Um, <laughs> I think in equal proportions. I got uh, oh, my coffee. By the way, I'm on decap now, so it's not the coffee. So oh. now it's just the crystal meth. Just the crystal. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, I mean, if you are in, uh, you are in West Texas, so that means you've got access to uh, probably pretty good stuff right there. But yeah, and we just, uh, and, and we just came back from a, uh, an awesome couple of days in Nashville hanging uh, out with, uh, with choir folks. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit as well as the book yeah. and see what's going on. We'll just catch up. I guess it should have been catching up with Keith, huh, John? I guess we are catching up, although we're hanging out, but welcome, my friend Keith, back to the podcast. What's up, dude? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's been a busy last couple of weeks. I, we just got back, like you said. So I guess Awaken was about a month. I'm a month. <laughs> feels like a month. It was about a week yeah, ago. Right. About a week ago, yeah. A week ago. And I'm serious, dude. I don't know about you, but up until maybe yesterday, it was the first day I didn't take a nap in the afternoon. Mm. I was just so exhausted from... It was awesome. It was great. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was, it was uh, better than last year. Just every everything as far as the event goes, the the speakers, the things that they shared, the ways that people connected, and of course we were just talking before we hit record. Jennifer Knapp, her concert at the end just blew me away. Oh my gosh, she's incredible! So yeah, the whole thing it was just really really great. I got to say my favorite part of the conference because the whole goal, both both events we did last year and then this year. I, I try to put together groups of people from wildly different perspectives, right? And the goal is I, I start off by saying to everybody at the event, hey, we're not here because we all agree on stuff. 
right. So what we're here to do is to listen to people who don't think like us, who, who think differently than us. And we're going to practice learning to listen to them and respect them and love them and learn from them and all that. And so what's beautiful is that's pretty much all I have to say. People just fall into it. They get it. You know, I've never had any issue with that. And people don't get angry. They're not like storming out, throwing things down. They're not, you know, in the Q and A, they're not cussing people out. Think so far anyway, it's been great. Um, <laughs> But my favorite part, I got to say, this is just my favorite part. This was like when it was all over, everybody kind of went out into the lobby area and they were all taking pictures like with each other and stuff, you know, and, oh, we got to stay in touch and blah, blah, blah. So that was really cool. But my favorite thing was December Rose, who is the most, of all the speakers, the most Christian of all the speakers we had. Absolutely, yeah. The most, the most you know, uh, theist, I guess I would say, that we had. And then Eve was framed, who is a full-on atheist, who was also a speaker at the event. And I was standing next to them and they both took a picture together and they both hugged each other and they were both like, I love you so much. And and uh, December says, I love you so much. You're so awesome. And, and Eve said to December, I think you're awesome too. Never change. I just think you're perfect. And I was like, see that right there, man. That's what it's about. Just knowing that the two of them just spontaneously totally loved each other, even though they completely disagree on theology but they made these great connections. Like that, that to me was what it's all about. So I was super excited when I saw that and like, yeah, mission accomplished. I think we did it. Yeah, exactly. Now that was uh, my favorite. It's always my favorite thing in an event like that to, to see people in person that I've only maybe known online. That was cool. You know, and so I'm going like, I know what I think December Rose will be like in person. And then to not be disappointed and go, no, exactly like that. Oh, you know what dude. I mean? Like I'm pretty sure when I meet Karen Shock, we're going to be instant yeah. friends. Yeah. And we were instant friends. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was that, like there was this kindred spirit. And that's what I think. And you made that point when we first started everything that there didn't have to be unity of thought to have, you know, a, a kindred spirit. Yeah. Um, everyone there is questioning. Everyone there has deep, deep issues with the current state of affairs surrounding Christianity, whether they've left it all together or they're still battling to, to rehabilitate it somehow. No one's balking at the questions. And no one's looking for the easy pat answers. So um, Eve was framed was fantastic. We've got her coming on the show later on this month, I believe. So I actually met her online too, you know, started following her online. It's about the same time I started following like Abraham Piper, you know. And so these people <laughs> who have come out of yeah. very culty, um, yeah. hardcore prophetic Christian ministry, really, really like her dad is real pro-Trump. And he's one of those like, yeah, one of those guys, right? He's one of those like, he's not only just pro-Trump, he's like one of those... Christian prophets who prophesize yeah. that Trump is like almost like a messiah figure and he's gonna, God's gonna use him. Like he's to, actually the president in his mind right now. Yeah. He's been seated in heavenly places and he delivers. <laughs> the, I'm not joking. You, no, they believe it. Yeah. You laugh, but those are his words. Like he says shit like that. I have to laugh because if I don't laugh, <laughs> it's lunacy. I'm, I'm hiding in the corner crying because yeah, I'm like, they're like, people exist. Well, well, they're years away from reelecting this. Piece yes. of shit. Yes. Well, the, the crazier thing for me is you go on, and I, I won't say his name because I don't want to give him any traction or any oxygen, but if you were to go on this guy's websites, Facebook pages, whatever, he is followed by a lot of people. Yes. He's yeah. a massive following. So, you know, someone like Eve goes out there and she's brilliant. She puts up stuff and we go, oh man, she's got 100,000 TikTok followers and it's amazing. Drops in the bucket uh -huh. compared to the numbers this guy pulls. There are just scads of people who are like eating this stuff up. It scares me. And I me wonder, actually. yeah, I wonder too, I mean, uh, not to take anything away from Eve because I, I, she's just yeah. genius. She's incredible. She's funny. She's smart. Um, but I do wonder how many of those followers are like hate following her because she talks about how many times she gets hate, she gets death threats and people calling her the spawn of Satan and uh, all this kind of stuff. So what I love yeah. was one of the things at the event, there was a sweet old lady that was there and I shouldn't call her old lady, but she, but she is like my mom's age. Her name is Susan. I know her really well. She's in my square three group. And during the Q&A, after Eve spoke, she got the microphone and she said, she said to Eve, she goes, I just want to say, if you're the child of Satan, first of all, Satan must be beautiful. And number two, <laughs> um, Satan actually makes a lot of sense. I, I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really funny. It was really great. Like, uh, that's what I mean. Like the whole event was just beautiful like that. Like, yeah, all of it was great. And like, I, I, I met so many people that I never, I met for the first time in person there, right? So Lacey Bean, Jennifer Bird, uh, Dan Henderson. Oh my gosh, I'm going to forget somebody. 
Jim Palmer. Um, no, Jim, Jim was there last year. I met Jim okay, last year. Okay. I met December last year. I met Karen last year. But yeah, you know, it was just really great. Uh, Michael Camp, he didn't speak, but he's all choir author. He did. He came. So he was there too. I got to meet him in person as well. And then, uh, and Jennifer Knapp. First time I met Jennifer Knapp in person. So, yeah. and she was phenomenal. She was just great. I, I, I've always, I love people like her who don't take their, you know, and I get, you know, celebrity is the wrong word, but don't take that too seriously. No, uh, no. She's and just to come cool out person. and hang out and have beers with us afterwards yes. and just be silly and. Like, yeah, she, she, after after the show, she just came and sat at the at the restaurant with us and had a beer and hung out with us and talked about all kinds of crazy stuff. We talked about conspiracy theories and UFOs and Sasquatch. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, she and Lacey really connected on. Like, so uh, Lacey, Lacey's going to be on the podcast here pretty soon too because she's awesome. Um, but she was she was talking about her. She and her friend are launching this true true crime oh, podcast. Oh, yes, Christian true crime podcast. And Jennifer was like, "What? Shut your mouth! Shut yes. up!" I'm yes. going to be on that, right? I'm yeah. coming on your show, right? <laughs> She's like, I got stories. stories. I got yeah. stories. I'm like, okay. So I, I gave Lacey one about a guy in my hometown or where I live now who's actually serving life in prison um, for murder. And it all happened around a church, an affair at church. Yeah. And it's really, really... So she's like, oh man, give me the details. But yeah, so see, that's the kind of stuff. You go from people writing sort of pretty deep theology to... True crime podcasters true crime. and social influencers. Well, and, I, got, I uh, have one for them too then because... I don't know if you remember, but uh, we had a serial killer who turned himself in here in Eureka. Really? And, oh, yeah. And he walks in and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm a long-haul truck driver and I've killed a lot of women. Like, yeah, whatever. And he pulls out a lady's breast that he had cut oh. off and throws, oh, it, fuck? And yeah. throws it on the counter. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Say, at Costco? No, at, at, at the jail, at the, at the county jail, not at Costco. I walked into Costco and did no, that. I'm like, no, no, I never no. heard this fucking story. No. The police. Turns out he was like, himself in at Costco. <laughs> I don't know, John Wood. Like, this this oh, is an idiocracy. We're not there yet. Okay. We're not where Costco doesn't run everything yet. <laughs> not yet. Give them 20 more years. They'll have the local PD. And okay. Okay. Well, I, I got to say, I got a shout out, by the way. And this is probably the first time it's officially been said. Uh, but that, that podcast with Lacey, it's Lacey and Lola. Lola from Mississippi. Oh, right. Yeah. So oh, the two okay. of them. Yeah, the two of them just got, I don't know how they connected, but they just started talking and they clicked. And then they both found out they're really into this true crime stuff. And yeah, so it's going to be called uh, Deadly Faith. I just saw the the logo. It's awesome. It's yeah, really great. Yeah. And it's going to be officially, it will be part of the Choircast Network. Nice. So, Amazing. so excited. So, and it's funny because Lacey and I connected over the fact that she lived a good chunk of her life in San Angelo, Texas. No, what? I didn't know yes. that. Went to... She, all the way through high school. I mean, born, raised, left right after high school. And so wow. we're like, we sat there with our phones, at least at one lunch, and went through Facebook feeds and went, oh, you know that guy? Oh, yeah, I told him that guy. Oh, my God, let me tell you some stories. And so we oh. did our, like, we did, like, a, <laughs> gossip about San Angelo for a while. She's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, we knew a lot of the same people and then hung around the same circles and just never met. But That's crazy. Really strange, right? Small world. But yeah, we man. can also talk about the fact and I don't think we could last time that you were on that in the in the intervening months, you and Matt Stefano have become the owners of Choir Publishing. So yeah, pause is that. Yeah, yeah. That Thank you. One hand clapping. <laughs> the sound of one hand clapping. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. dude. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, Rafael Palindo started Choir. He's been great. I mean, uh, I, I knew it was almost like him giving away his kid when he came to us. He came to Matt and I and was like, you know, hey, I feel like I'm holding choir back. Would you guys be willing to run it? And um, so we were blown away. I knew that was a really difficult thing for him to do that, to kind of let go of it. Uh, he's still involved. He still does um, covers and stuff like that for us. And he's still a consultant and all that. So that's been really cool. And, you know, Matt and I both have said, Neither one of us had never, neither one of us ever had the goal of like, one day I want to own a publishing company. But, you know, now that we're doing it, it's actually really cool because now we, as authors, you know, you're kind of focused on your books and promoting your book and kind of getting your stuff out there. And it's kind of cool now to transition and help other authors, you know what I mean? Like find their audience and promote their book and kind of champion what they're doing. And it's been awesome. And man, since January, we took over. 
I feel like every book that's come out with choir since January has hit number one and been phenomenal. I mean, we just have one one amazing thing after the other. Very, very excited about where choir is going. We've added, the, we've expanded the Choircast Network. We started these choir classics things now that we're doing. Um, those have been co- very cool. So basically we're taking like public domain, kind of like we've done like Call of the Wild. We're doing Brothers Karamazov. Uh, Brian Zahn's running the forward. We just did The Prophet. Well, Paul Young wrote the forward to that. We're doing, oh, we're doing St. Francis of Assisi coming up. Shane Claiborne's writing that forward. So, you know, we're kind of matching the books. Tolstoy, yeah, I did Tolstoy, The, the Kingdom of God is Within You. Yeah, so things like that. It's been really awesome uh, to do that. And some of those, like The Prophet hit number one when it came out with Paul Young's forward. I couldn't believe it. So that's really cool. Like to say, hey, we did that. We helped. We got to put that book back at number one after all these years. So that was cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, it's just like, it seems like like one thing after the other, one thing after the other. The Choircast Network, Migrator of the Pathios, that's been a pretty big deal, I think. Oh, yeah, that's huge. Getting us all onto a, a larger platform. And so I, for one, say thank you to you and Matt for all that you do for us. And and we are, we're, uh, we're big supporters and we're big fans of, of what you do. Um, even if it didn't benefit us, we would still be here going, yes, look what choir's doing. They're amazing. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and Nat, you have a book coming out, right? Um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. I was just talking to Matt today. We're talking about cover designs and trying to get some, I think the interior of the book is pretty much done. We're just working on some cover art and whatever else needs to be fine tuned on that. And then we were talking, yeah, August ish. September, Sweet. I don't know, whatever, whatever y'all decide. I'm, I'm just along for the ride, dude. Um, <laughs> so see, you're gonna, you're gonna put me out the same month as somebody big, and I'm gonna get buried by, by somebody else. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tolstoy and Matt. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually trying to pull back. Like Matt and I, when we started in January, we we're like, okay, we'll just do like we'll put out like one book a month. We'll just take it slow. Well, no, we've been putting out like a book a week, <laughs> and. I just keep telling Matt, like, dude, we can slow down. Like, no one's putting a gun to our head. No one's telling us you've got to do this. So, and you know, let's not burn out. So we're trying to trying to scale back now and say, okay, how about like two books a month? We're going to see if we can stick to that. But really cool people keep popping up and wanting to publish that's, books with you. What, that's do you, the what problem. do you do? What do you say yeah. to, you know, to somebody who wants to join the team and go, well... No, Maybe. we can still put out the book, but it doesn't have to be next month. You know what I mean? Like right, right. Push it out. <laughs> Most publishers don't say, we love your book, let's publish it in three months. So it's like it's like a year from now. So, yeah. And we're also looking forward to, uh, to uh, John, you uh, you have a book as well that we're looking at. Is, uh, I can't wait to get the final draft of that thing. Yeah, I actually just got, I mean, in touch with my editor. She says she'll be through the first round of edits the end of this week. Sweet, uh, but sweet. she wants to go through it a couple more times before it's sent over to you guys. I'm hope I'm assuming that the second two edits will be much quicker than the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the bigger, the heavier load, uh, she's hoping to have done in a week. It's been a, a interesting experience. Yeah, never, <laughs> never going through that. But uh, the first and, one and, is always yeah, yeah and, always and a little humbling, right? Because uh, you have to kind of set your ego aside and let someone tell you when things just don't work. It's like that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, but I, I, I like it like that. They're like, right. no, <laughs> but no one else will. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it, no, it's been it's been a learning experience. I've, I've actually I've been enjoying the process, uh, and uh, I have I've I've reached out to Matthew a couple times for thanking it and thanking him for the suggestion of my editor. Uh, yes. And I couldn't have, I could not have been happier uh, with who who I got. Um, so so it's, it's, it's been, it's been actually a joy. So I, I'm looking forward to giving you guys a finished product here hopefully soon. Yeah. See, this is the thing that's cool about being a publisher is like, you get to publish your friends, you know what I mean? And that's fun, you know? And then I, I'm also starting to get interested now. I'm kind of realizing, Hey, I own a publishing company. So, (laughs) so like I'm doing, uh, we just did, uh, like my favorite science fiction author is Philip K. Dick. Uh, We just figured out that he has like, I don't know, 30 or 40 short stories in the public domain. So we're going to release like three volumes of short stories. Uh, I did, we just, the first one just came out. I wrote the forward to that one. But then the second volume, his ex-wife, Tessa Dick, is writing the forward to that. Wow. And volume three, there's a guy that does a, a it's called the Dickheads podcast. It's a Philip K. Dick podcast. Oh, nice. And he's writing the forward <laughs> to volume three. So I'm excited about that. I decided also like, we're, we're now pursuing science fiction 
uh, authors as well, specifically. We're going to do a science sci-fi imprint for choir that will be all focused on science fiction. And we're actually putting together at right now, in fact, I'll just put it out there. If anybody has a, like a good science fiction short story, like between a thousand and three thousand words, we're putting together a sci-fi anthology. We have like seven, six or seven stories already. So we're looking for short stories as well. A, a deadline is like September, like first of September or something like that. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing that. This is also a way for us to find new science fiction authors as well. And th- and just I should say too, this is part of Matthew and I's plan like our goal to transition choir away from being just a Christian publisher. Kind of don't want to be a Christian publisher. We just want to be a publisher who publishes great books. But we're still going to, we're always going to publish books that challenge theology and, you know, book the status quo, the whole deconstruction, reconstruction thing, post-Christian stuff. We're all, we're still excited about that, but we're also wanting to go after just, you know, you're an author, you have a great novel, you have a great book. Hey, come to choir. We'd love to talk to you. Speaking of great books, let's talk about let's talk about the new book. Let's talk about Sola Deus. Oh yeah, that's right. I so, have a book, don't I? <laughs> it's a book, and, uh, so this is sort of your like uh, your riff on the five solas of uh, of Martin Luther, I would think. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly so what it is. The first book was um, Sola Mysterium. Mysterium. Thank you. I, I did want to say because the Latin's so bad. Uh, it is bad. <laughs> the Latin is horrible. David Billy Hart ripped me a new one for that. <laughs> I love that. I love, and I love that you put that right yes, there. Put it right in the front. Yes. By the way, David Billy Hart says, yeah, what, he says, good book, terrible Latin. Terrible Latin. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So, Sola Deus, walk us through that, man. Yes. So, I, um, after writing Sola Mysterium, I kind of felt like there was more to be said on this whole topic of God. And, um, of course, now not trying to define God because I just spent the whole Solo Mysterium book saying God's a mystery and you can't, you can't know God in this intellectual, informational way. But I felt like there were still some things I needed to clarify and things that I was going through personally, just trying to make sense of how we approach God. So I was wrestling at the time with things like, I, like I really embraced panentheism, which is the idea that God is in all things. But then I started wondering like, well, but, it, but you know, but what pan, pantheism says that God is all things. And I'm sort of like, well, but where is the line between panentheism and pantheism? And so then I kind of started trying to figure that out uh, just to make sense of that. Um, And then that led me into a whole bunch of other things. So in the book, I talk about um, the deification of man, which by the way, is a kind of a lost, a lost understanding or teaching of the early church. Um, like I, in the book, I have a whole chapter in there where I just go through it. Probably easy, 10, maybe more quotes from Church Father. We're talking like from Irenaeus, talking like early first century, all the way through to like Thomas Aquinas, like dozens of Church Fathers who all believed and had these very crazy quotes that most of us never hear of things like how God became man so that man could become God. And so that idea that no, that's part of the plan. Like part of what was going on with Jesus, you know, in the incarnation was in order to make us God, right? To, to, we would share in the divine nature. So there's hints of that in the New Testament, but these early church fathers just kind of took that and these ideas and just really went with it. And like, you never hear that nowadays. Like no one will ever preach about that or tell you any of that. And when I ran across that, I was like, holy moly, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is something I've never read a book about, never had anybody talk about. So yeah, I just worked that in. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, the subtitle is What If God Is All of Us? And that's just another kind of an epiphany I had as I was thinking through some of these things, trying to make sense of some of these things. But I will say, this book is the hardest book I've ever written. Uh, it was difficult to write. I, I, I wrote at least three versions of it at each point when I read, when I wrote the first version and then I, Wendy always helps me. So she'll read through it. And then she came back to me and was like, yeah, no, this isn't it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so then I'm like, I went back and did it again. And then she would say, no, that's still quite, not quite there. You know, you got some missing spots and things. Anyway, so I nearly gave up. Like after the, after the first time I was like, eh, maybe I just put this aside. After the second time, I really was like, seriously, like, I, so it's my fault. I, I, I think what I did, I did something I never did before in writing a book, which is normally when I write a book, 
you know, if you, if you checked out those Authors Academy things I do, I always say, you know, write an outline for the book. So, so then all you have to do is write, all I got to write is chapter one, talk about what I, what I want to say in chapter one, and then tomorrow I'll work on chapter two, right? The, but I broke my own rule. So in this book, I, I had an outline that got me about halfway into the forest. And I assumed that once I got into the middle of the forest, I could find my way out. And I didn't. Uh, and then I was like, what the hell am I doing here? And how do, why, how do I get out of this? So it just was a big struggle for me. But it was worth it in the long run because I feel like when I went through that third draft, I finally hit on a couple of points that were like, ah, that's what's missing. That's what it, that's what's going to wrap this up. That's what's going to make sense of this. Um, for me, as well as for the reader. So it was worth it. It was a lot of work. I, will, I promise myself I will never do that again. But I feel like the end result was something really good. And the feedback's been really great. So going forward, you'll follow your own advice. I'm going to try to... Well, yes, I'm going to follow my own advice. My, the, the, the third book in the Sola, it's going to be a trilogy. So once I write the third book in the trilogy, I'm, I'm done with the Solas. Uh, the, thir- the third one's going to be Sola Mesmera. And it's dealing with the subconscious mind, the unconscious, hypnotism, sort of like manipulation, things like this. And, and I realized it's the first book I, I will have written that doesn't have a single reference to the Bible. You can't wait, can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> it's, it's weird, though. That's, the, that's kind of the trajectory that I'm on these days. And I think John is probably there, too. But I was sitting around with a, a friend who used to be my co-pastor before we shut the church down, you know. And uh, he's like, man, do you find it weird? I find it, I'm fulfilled. He's like, I don't really care about theology that much anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> care really at all about it anymore. What do you think? He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I mean, because I'm, I said, I, I said, and what I, I think what I told him was, I, I feel like there's this trajectory of people who deconstruct somewhat, you know, again, it's a trajectory, not, not a, not a pattern necessarily, but you know, you start out feeling like a heretic and feeling like I have to go to the Bible and yes. justify everything. Yeah. Let yes. me find chapter and verse. Let me, let me prove to, at least to myself and to some of my interlocutors that I'm, I'm not completely off the, the reservation here. And then at some point, you get comfortable with the fact that I just believe this and I don't necessarily need this book to back me up on this. If, if the Bible told me, now I had this conversation with my wife just today, like, like if the Bible clearly told me tomorrow that I was supposed to hate certain people, I wouldn't do it. No. Nope. And I don't care if you could cite chapter and verse that tells me I'm that's supposed right. to do these. No, I won't do it. So I, to me, that's, that, that's part of the evolutionary process of like, okay, I'm, I, I'm not, you know, and I'm, and I'm not sitting there saying the Bible's not useful. But at what point did it have to, at what point did it become so foundational and authoritarian that we had to, or authoritative, I should say, that we had to make sure it was the basis of everything we did? Not Jesus, but the Bible, right? No, that's exactly where I'm at, man. At first, it's a little scary, you know what I mean? But like where I am right now, honestly, the thing that keeps going through my head, I don't think I've said this out loud (laughs) uh, uh, to anybody, at least not on on recorded uh, medium. But I, I, I just want to get out of the theology game. I'm just done. I'm done with theology. I mean, okay, I wrote seven books about the Jesus Son thing and uh, helping people deconstruct and all that. We're moving to reconstruction. Um, and then, you know, the solas are kind of dealing a little bit with that, how, you know, reframing theology and stuff. But I, I feel like, yeah, with this book, Sola Deus, I think I've kind of said what I want to say about all that. And hopefully people still feel like what I wrote is helpful to them. This is what I'm afraid of. I don't really care necessarily really people are done with me or like, oh, Keith, whatever. But I, I'm concerned about like if, I do know there's some people that would be like, if they heard, oh, Keith has said now he's uh, post-Christian or he doesn't care about the Bible or he's done with theology or whatever, that they would just be like, well, I'm not reading his books. And what, the reason that would bother me mostly is because I feel like so it helps, my books have helped so many people, you know? Um, and if somebody was like, well, I'm not going to read a book on his book on hell, but yeah, it'll help you, uh, you know, yeah. what I mean? to process yeah. these things. So, but whatever, people are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, I can't pretend anymore that I care about what the Bible says about anything. And again, I believe in God. I still think Jesus is cool. Um, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm just beyond feeling the need to like defend something. I, I'm not going to defend Christianity. I'm not going to, I'm not a defender of the Bible. Uh, I think people can believe whatever they want to believe. And if it works for you, great. I'm expanding my theological horizons. Uh, for me, it's like, yeah, parts of the Bible are, are okay. But I'm also finding like Rumi is great. A lot of Sufi stuff is great. 
Black Elk is great. A lot of Buddhism is great. So I like Socrates. You know, I'm, there's all kinds of other wisdom and theological insight out there that I find really beautiful and helpful in my life. And so I'm not limiting myself to the Bible says. Right. Um, I think so much of the Bible is actually pretty horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, can try and, you can try and nuance it however you want to, but there's just stuff in there that you can't get around. It's just, well, that's just shitty. <laughs> what am I, actually, we were sitting around with that same guy. My wife was like, well, okay, well, help me make sense of this story in the Bible. How does this, I said, well, cause I'm, I'm making this sort of general, like, well, there are things in the Old Testament that are helpful. Okay, what about that? Well, I'm, I don't, not necessarily that one. Right. I mean, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure what's helpful about the Canaanite genocide that never happened, actually, but did there. Um, you know, I'm not sure what's great about the fictional worldwide flood. So, yeah, there's all, I'm actually having to, I had to walk that back quite a bit and go, well, okay, I'm not so sure. You know, okay, maybe just the sort of overarching Jesus story is helpful. Yeah, but it's also recognizing, like you were saying, like, they're just stories. You know what I mean? It's like, they're not real. This didn't really happen. I'm sorry. Like people, it really frustrates me when people like, they want to talk about things like that. Like, you know, oh, Adam and Eve, you know, like you think Eve was like, well, she pissed at Adam after, you know, they left the garden. Or do you think, do you think Adam ever just like, you know, argued with her about like, no, they weren't real people. What are you doing? It's like, you might as well say to me like, you know, hey, do you think Lois Lane ever, you know, talks to Clark Kent, like, or, you know, think Princess Leia ever, like, missed her dad or something, you know, before she was. Like, well, you could imagine that, I guess, but, you know, they're not real, right? They're, it's, these are stories. And so, for me, it's like, they're just stories. Yeah. I think it was, uh, I think it was Pete Enns, who I was listening to one of his podcasts, and he, he, he dropped the bombshell for me, because, you know, at, at this time, now, I'm deconstructing my, my connection to the Bible, but I still believe that certain things in there had to have happened. And so he drops this bombshell that there's really no evidence that the Egyptians ever enslaved the Jews. That's exactly there is, right. There is no, there nothing. is nothing historically that would say that that really happened. That's right. Ever. Now, that That's is, right. does, does it mean it didn't happen? I don't know. But does it mean it for sure happened? No. Because there's no, nothing yeah. outside of the Bible story that's right. That says that this really happened. And I'm like, wait a minute. Well, that changes everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's one thing. The other thing is like when you realize like, oh, you know, there's no evidence that there was ever an actual King David. That, you know, that, so like, what? Like, he's my favorite character in the Bible. Like, well, you're telling me all those stories are just made up stories about, yeah, probably. They, you know, these were like nomadic people and they were, they were off and on slaves of other nations off and on. They had a, a big habit. I mean, that's why I think most of the, the stories in the Old Testament are borrowed from other religions, you know, like the Sumerians and the, you know, all Phoenicians and all these other people. Babylonians like, and the, yeah. Yes, exactly. So they just took them and rewrote them and made the, made the hero of the character one of their guys, right? We're going to call him Moses. We're going to call him Abraham. We're going to call him David. And so, oh my gosh, I, I saw a video the other day. I, I, I thought it was just genius the way it was, like the way the, the, way the title of the, of the video was. And it was a video about, I think it was about like the Phoenicians and the Sumerians and like some, of the, some of the cultures that were around before, you know, the, the Jewish people were around. And it was something like shocking secrets of the first Bible or something like that. Because they were saying like, basically like all these stories existed long before there was a Bible, right? So here's the version of the story, like the original version before I got remixed and re remastered uh, into the <laughs> Old Testament scripture. And see that when you, when you think of it that way, then it's like, well, holy cow, you know, like what's going on here? So I know that, but at the same time, I know that that kind of stuff freaks people out. I don't want to freak people out. I'm, that's not, I'm not trying to like, but, it, but it, I just know like for myself, I can't look at those stories the way I used to, and I don't read it the way I used to anymore. Well, um, to, to kind of bring it back to your book, and I, I, as I was reading the book, I kept going back to when I first started listening to Heretic Happy Hour and the, and the, and the debates and, and the conversations <laughs> between you and Jamal. Yes. And question of mine would be, has Jamal read this? Because I feel like in a yeah. lot of ways, you have come closer to what Jamal was saying in the beginning of Heretic Happy Hour. 
Uh, yes, and- I need yeah, that's a great question. And I actually, in the book, I actually do admit, because I, I, I call back to that. I say, you know, in the early days of Heretic Happy Hour, Jamal and I were constantly arguing about this question, you know, uh, about is Christ in everybody or is Christ only in Christians? And I, I said even thank you. I was very grateful that he ne- he was like a dog with a bone. He never let me off the hook with that. He just always brought it up. And after a while, it was like, it didn't even matter what topic we were talking about on the show. We would work our way back around to that question constantly. It was just always a never-ending debate. And then in the book, in Solideos, I actually, I, I mentioned that and then I say, I was wrong. <laughs> I admitted that Jamal was right and I was wrong. <laughs> and you know what? I don't know that he knows that. Um, I don't think he's read the book. I haven't sent it to him. I probably should send him a copy of it because I think he'd probably get a kick out of it. Like yeah. he's finally like, okay, Keith, yeah. You, you, <laughs> it took you long enough, but you came around around that's right i know but i do know i think he did an interview with heather hamilton or something like that because heather wrote the forward she did an amazing job her forward brought me to tears it was just really beautiful but i think i think she said she talked to jamal and she mentioned to him that you know keith is on the same page with you and so i think so he does she you know he knows it because she told him that but he and i haven't interacted directly about that so i you know i probably should send it to him just <laughs> his endorsement quote will be i told you so <laughs> i was hoping to get an endorsement quote from somebody that would be an awful lot like the reviews that came through from spinal tap do you remember the yes. movie spinal tap and he's like yes. let's talk about some of your reviews this one's only two words for shark Sam- it was a, an album called shark sandwich this one's only has two words he goes uh, shit sandwich. <laughs> I was like, you can't write that. You can't say that. You can't print that, can you? It's like, it's like, I gotta say, like, one of my favorite endorsement quotes of all time, um, I sent my book, I, I, you know, I, I used to be really into the house church thing, right? And the book I wrote, Jesus Unveiled, which is about the house church, it actually is, it's uh, part of that book was from a book I self-published called This Is My Body, like five years before that. And so I took some of that book and updated it, changed some things I didn't believe anymore, and then added a whole bunch of new stuff. And that was Jesus Unveiled. But when it was when it was still called This Is My Body, and I self-published it, this is before Jesus Untangled, I sent it out to some of these, you know, better known names in the house church world. Most, most of your listeners probably have no idea who these people are. But the biggest name is Frank Biola, right? Frank Biola has gone on, to, right? He, he's, he's also left the house church kind of thing, and he's just writing general books on theology. But anyway, at the time, he was the big hostage guy. Uh, Pagan Christianity had just come out, which was just huge, great book, phenomenal book. Anyway, so I sent, I sent my little self-published book to him to get an endorsement quote, right? Because I already had quotes from all these other people. And Frank Viola sends me back an email, and, he, and this is what he says. Skimmed it. Looks good. So <laughs> I, I literally... I used it. I literally oh, made yeah. a slide and it said, skimmed it, looks good, Frank Biola. <laughs> and that is my all-time favorite. And then after I did that, he came back to me and he was like, Keith, hey man, I just saw that you you published that, you know, that that quote, you know, and now people are gonna think that that um that I was being a jerk and I didn't read your book. I go, well, yeah, you were. <laughs> you didn't. But if you want to, if you want to, you could. <laughs> <laughs> never did. He never did. But I just—that's my favorite of all time. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's, just, it's not as bad as the, uh, the the guy on Facebook that was blasting Tom Ward for his new book. And, oh, I didn't uh, hear about that. Oh man, yeah, one of his fellow. Um, so he's you know you know Tom's Nazarene. Yes. And so this guy's Facebook post was you know this is why people don't take Nazarene theology seriously. Whoa. Right? And he's like, I haven't read it, oh. but I hear it's crap. And I won't. <laughs> Look, I haven't book. read it, but I haven't read it, but that's so bullshit. and then and then I don't think he realized. I think he thought he was being clever, but he tagged Tom in the Facebook post, which uh-huh. got all of his friends oh, notifications yeah. that Tom had been tagged. So we all went looking. That dude got dragged so that? hard, so hard. He pulled the post down the next day after the uh-huh. I don't know 150th comment. Like, what kind of asshole doesn't read a book and then but then still sees fit to critique it? Like, like, where's your intellectual honesty, you know? And, and, uh, he just, and, 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 you know, his first, at first he was clapping back to everything and he was like doubling down and tripling down. Like, right, right. But you haven't read it. So you don't even know you're talking about. All he was doing, you know, he was the very definition of judging the book by its cover because he didn't like the fact that Tom had invented this word. Cause you know, Tom's book is against, um, omnipotence, right? And the case for amipotence, um, which is, he's like, he's like, Every, all words are made up. 
That's, That's right. a perfectly viable made-up word. You took these two Latin words, shoved them together, went, you know. Look, if I can, if I can slaughter, you know, uh, Latin in my titles, Tom is free to invent Latin words that don't exist. <laughs> Shakespeare is credited for have I, I forget how many hundreds of words yes, that he invented supposedly lots of words. invented That's and right. brought into the lexicon. So anyway, I just thought it was funny. The only other famous, like, fun quote was, uh, and I wish I had it in front of me, but was uh, Douglas Campbell got a quote on his book, The Deliverance of God. And he put it either right on the back or on the front, I think on the back, but from N.T. Wright, who, I don't know if you know, wow. that they, they're rivals. I mean, no. like, their theologies are. In fact, uh-huh. N.T. Wright wrote a book, not against Douglas per se, but against his whole school of, you right. know, post-apocalyptic, you know, so in, a, in a sort of in a way, but not directly in a way against him. Right, right. It was, oh, he was named, but it wasn't just oh. him. It was him oh. and Lewis Martin and those, any uh-huh. of those guys that were in that school. But, but it was essentially, like, it said something to the effect of, like, I don't agree with anything in this book, <laughs> but there's good scholarship here or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, he was, he was well-researched. I think oh, that's said. great. <laughs> See, that's great. That's great. Goes, that's going on the book. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got to talk about, I got I to gotta mention a couple of things that we're talking about endorsement yeah. quotes. So, you know, as, as I'm starting to move away from my kind of, even my progressive theology and moving away from theology in general. Uh, it's just getting harder and harder to find people to, to write endorsement quotes for my books, right? So like all the people that were like super on board with me on the Jesus Sun series who wrote forwards and, and gave me great quotes and all that stuff, like those guys are mostly gone now. Um, they won't touch it, right? So, um, so it's getting more challenging. So I want to say a huge thank you to people like Thomas Ord. Thomas Ord flat out said, when I sent, sent him the book, you know, to get the quote, I said in advance, I said, I just want you to know a bunch of other people won't give me a quote and they won't read it. And I, I'm kind of going in these other directions. And Tom goes, you know, I don't have to agree with someone's theology to endorse their book. I said, well, well, thank you. And then Randall Rouser, God bless him, man. I, here's the thing too. I don't even know that guy. I, I seen his name. I've seen him do some debates. I actually quote him in the book here. He's, he's, he was one that was debating Douglas Grutai. And I, I pull out Douglas Grutai's comic because it drove me insane, the things he was saying in that debate with Randall. But anyway, I sent, I sent the book to Randall. Again, he doesn't know me at all. Hey, Randall, I'm an author. I have a book. Would you be interested? And same thing. He came back to me and he said, you know, I, I don't agree with everything in the book, but I feel like you bring up some good ideas that are worth discussing. And, you know, I, I'll recommend it for that reason. So that was really cool. And, and David Hayward was great. Um, the Naked Pastor, I was really appreciative of, of him doing that. And, you know, so people like that. So I, I was able to find way more people than I thought, you know, that were willing to say and take a chance and say like, yeah, I, I don't have to agree with your theology or your, your conclusions uh, to read the book. So that was nice. Yeah, that was, that's always a tough thing. I, I say always, like I've written 20 books, but that was <laughs> a hard thing for me. It is a hard thing for me. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, sometimes hard to even ask. So I asked people, I'm like, I don't know, like they're not going to say yes. And then it was like, Getting doing the dance of joy around like, like oh wow look at that Brad sent me you know Paul Young yeah, yeah. endorsed my yeah, book yeah and I was worried because I you know I, it's it mine's not as out there but there's you know there's some profanity in it and there's some other things that I know Brian's on kind of like I, I think he shies away from a little bit you know <laughs> yes. um, and so I was like well I'm gonna shoot this to Brian anyway see what he says and he he, he, he endorsed it so that's beautiful um, see that's yeah, great see so, I, I want to say look uh, in in their favor Brad and Brian and Paul. Super accessible guys, and yeah, for real. and you know they don't they're su- they're all busy. They you know they're writing their books, they're doing their own stuff. Uh, they're trying to you know they they have they're busy guys. They're not just laying around. And so yeah, the fact that they would get an email from an unknown author like that and read it and endorse it like that, way to go. That's huge. And for me, that's a big thing too. And you know, you guys too is like you, you your first books are aren't out yet, but as you go down the road and you start writing more books, like. Remember that. Remember the little guy. You know what I mean. Remember those guys that were like, "Hi, you don't know me, but I have a book, and I need a endorsement <laughs> quote." Like, because like we have to help each other, right? We have to like, I want to, because I want to be that for somebody else. That like they need, they need someone to help them promote their book. If I've got some credibility, I want to be able to put my name on it uh, and help them out. So that's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah, hundred percent. It was a. Josh Lawson actually reached out. I did it. I endorsed I his, his new book, and uh, and then he endorsed my back. So you know, hey, one hand, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, stretch your back, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, but there's a there's a I need I need to find some more women. So women, if you're out there, 
it looks like a boys club on my endorsement page. So hook, well, dude, hook yeah, brother I would, up. I would, I would reach out to like, uh, you know, like Heather Hamilton, Heather Hamilton, like, Maria Francesca French, kind of the, the choir little family there. Karen Shock, Karen Shock. Karen will do it just because she likes me. She would like great. I just want to. I just want a one word, like a one sentence, like like skimmed it. Looks good. Karen <laughs> <laughs> Shock. Well, uh, you know, Matt was going to write one. I think it just said shit sandwich, which I thought would have been great. Um, <laughs> like a spinal tap. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a you know just a little. But yeah, it's a the whole process. That maybe that's one of these one of these days when we do a little catch up. We can talk about advice for authors and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Ways to, you know, get ways to get looked at. And, um, yeah, I do. Want, I, are, I would like to do that. Yeah, you guys are cool about that, and uh, um, that's one thing. That, one of the things I really appreciate about choir, and I know, I know John does as well. But this has been a great conversation. But we've just kind of like we keep skirting around your your new book, and I want to get you know I want to get more into. You know, I know, yeah, I know okay. we're on the end of the of, of the conversation, but uh, this is this is a very interesting topic, and like you said, you you've kind of left a few people behind. Well, Soul of Mysterium did that at first. Right. I mean, you already had, uh, with that book, you had quite a few people. It was like, um, I was up to you. I was with you up to here. Yes. That was and the now, beginning. That's yeah. when people started saying, nope. Yeah. And so <laughs> this idea that, yeah, this idea that Christ is in all of us, but we are all Christ or we are all divine, yeah. um, yeah. is first of all, I think beautiful. For me, what it does is it, it changes the way I view the world. Right. It changes the way I review uh, that I view my neighbor, uh, because I no longer have to figure out if I should like you or not, because I don't have to figure out if you and I are on the same same steps in faith or even the same religion. This calls me to action, to love everybody, because at the end of it, this idea of Christ, which they might call something else, that's right, is is what connects all of us. And so me 10 years ago, when we had Safi on not too long ago, I wouldn't even have talked oh. to him, right? Oh yeah, and because, isn't he great? Safi yes, is he's beautiful. Awesome. I love but him. Me 10 years ago, even though I was already out, out of the faith, he's Muslim. I, I just can't talk to him because right. we, we, don't, we don't have anything to talk about. So me, a few, few weeks ago, get to have this conversation with Safi and I'm like, this is what it's about. And I think that's what your book is inviting us into, right? Yes, absolutely. No, I, I, I had the same experience, John. I, um, you know, it's, there's just so much more freedom and more opportunity and permission to love people for, you know, just for being human beings that are all made in the image of God that are all, like you said, um, they are all, they all embody, they're all in, incarnations of Christ, even if they don't know it. And even if they don't call it that, they can, they may call it something else. They may not call it anything. They may be an atheist, right? Let me going back to like with, with Awaken. That was what was so beautiful for me was seeing people discover that like you're a beautiful person. You're just some amazing human being. And I can see something in you that's wonderful and beautiful. And, and, and I see wisdom in you. And I, I receive, you know, this light and this truth that you, that is all in you. It's all over you. And so I think it makes us possible for us if we can, if we end up moving in these directions. And again, it took me a while to get to where I'm at. You know, I was like you, you know, like we said, the whole thing with Jamal back and forth fighting all the way. Um, But but finally turning the corner on some of these things. And even once, you know, I, I initially had that shift in my perspective about Christ and what does that mean? And, you know, like Richard Rohr says, Christ isn't Jesus's last name. Uh, that was a big yeah. thing. The big thing yeah. was was truly separating Jesus from Christ. And I don't even want to say separate because I don't believe in separation. I think that's part of the problem is this illusion of separation. But I mean, conceptually to say, um, because I think that, you know, obviously Jesus was an incarnation of Christ, maybe the best one we've ever seen uh, or that we know of. Um, but Jesus had a beginning. Jesus was born and the Christ pre-existed all eternity and created the universe, you know, from nothing. And so those are not exactly the same things we're talking about here. And so, um, and then recognizing that that will, that that's also been true of, of Jesus, then it's also true of me. That's the part I think we get pe- people get kind of nervous because I do in the books a couple of times, I'll, I'll say something that Jesus says, and then I'll say, but I can say that too, right? Like Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Like, oh, I can say that. 
because Christ is in me and Christ is in everyone. Um, Jesus says, you know, in that day, you'll know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and I am in you. I can say that too, right? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me and the Father is in you and I am in you and you're in me. Because again, this, this uh, idea of separation is an illusion. It's not real. Um, and, and by the way, that isn't just, that sounds very new agey and it sounds very, you know, Eastern religion kind of, and it is, but here's what it also is. Quantum science. Quantum science has t- determined that that illusion is a uh, separation is an illusion. What quantum science has said is that even though it looks like there are separate individual people and different objects and different states of matter and elements and all this kind of stuff and energy, they all look different. They're not all the same, right? But that's an illusion. That's what. It, that's how we perceive it. But on the quantum level, there's only one thing in the whole universe, and that's the quantum field. And so everything we see and experience and perceive is just an expression of that quantum field. There's only the quantum field. And that's just another way of saying that Christ is in everything and everything is in Christ, right? And so I also take Jesus, I'm sorry, Paul's statement in Acts, where he says, you know, he says that God is the one in whom we all live and move and have our being. And I think, wow, that, that's powerful. That's great. Again, that, but that's one side of the equation. Like, I think that, yes, that's true. But I think it's also true that, that I am the one in whom God lives and moves and has being, right? I, I, again, this is, as long as we're going down the heretic road, uh, it's kind of like, um, I am not who, I, I would not be who I am without Christ, right? Um, so Christ is in me, Christ is in everybody, and no one could exist apart from Christ because Christ, like the quantum field, is everything, right? Is is expression of everything. And so, yeah, uh, I wouldn't exist apart from Christ. I wouldn't be who I am without Christ. But I would say also, Christ wouldn't be Christ without me or you. If for, if for no other reason that Christ isn't without me, like the, the, the fact is, the reality is that right now, Christ is uh, being expressed in me and in you and in everybody. So without that, well, then the expression of Christ that we are aware of wouldn't be the same. It would be different. And so, you know, those are just, those are kind of deep thoughts. But I mean, the more I think about those, they really start to change your perspective on. Yeah. Yeah, I would also, I mean, I mean, science shows us that uh, nothing is ever really destroyed. It's only transferred or transformed, right? That's right. uh, This idea... Right. That's so right. Th- this idea that we, we have to be connected to everything because yeah. we exist because something else existed before us that we transformed into. That's right. So we, so I would almost say that's like, it's an ongoing creation, right? Yes. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a like never a ending like creation. And yes, I think uh, exactly. if, as soon as we realize that, you know, so we could get mystical about it, right? We can talk about indigenous cultures who say that because nothing is ever destroyed, we somehow contain and create or have these memories of the past. We, sure. we, yeah, we build off yeah. of, yeah. And I could see how that could be scientifically true because our DNA is connected to the past and this past history and these past traumas and this past, you know, all of that. And yeah, no, so, yeah, exactly. I talk about that in Solo Mysterium too. So these two books really kind of go together. In Solo Mysterium, I talk about this whole thing about time and how time is an illusion. Again, quantum scientists say the same thing. Time is an illusion. It's it's the way we make sense of the universe, but that is, it, it doesn't move in a single, in one direction, right? And so, yeah, then, yeah, in a way, the past, the present, and the future exist all at once at the same time, which is a mind-blowing idea. And I think I use an analogy in, in Solo Mysterium that this was blowing my mind. Like when I think of myself, like you're seeing me right now, but this is me sitting here on a, on a Monday at a certain time in a certain place in El Paso, Texas, right? But that's just me in this moment, right? I, I am also alive in 1967 and I'm one years old. I'm back there too. And I'm also alive when I'm 16. I'm also alive when I'm... 35. I'm also alive in the future. Hopefully I, I keep living and I'm, I'm alive at 60 and 70 and 80. All of that is me. It's all the same me. So it's not just me physically in this moment. I, if you could step back from time, you would see Keith starts here and goes all the way over here. And all of that's Keith. It's all me. I look different at different points, right? But it's all still the one person. I'm all, it's all me. 
And we have to be able to think of ourselves beyond that, beyond, you know, as, as someone that exists, as beings that exist in larger chunks of time. And again, it's hard to conceive of that, but that, that's just another way I think it, it's something we need to think, change the way we think, change our perspective on things. For me, the, one, the, 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 the moment where I realized that I didn't understand time is, is, is something really simple, but at the same time, it's really, it, it's really huge, I think. And that's okay. So you're driving down a road and a car passes you. And for some reason, the person in the car catches your eye for a second, right? So you have that moment where you like realize there's that other person. As you pass each other, you make this realization. They had a whole bunch of life that I don't know about yeah. before that moment. And as we pass each other, their life continues without me knowing, right? And it's like, it's one of those moments is like, because it takes you out of that ego where everything is, a, everything must revolve around me. It's like, no, it doesn't. It revolves around everybody. And we're all having these like little moments where we, where we connect. And it, for me, that was a, like a weird, way of like, okay, time is just bizarre. That's right. Because we all have our different, uh, our different ideas of, of time because we have our own little moments. And then, but then every once in a while we connect for a second and then we separate. And it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is like so, it's so basic, but at the same time, so big. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate about this whole um, process that I've gone through and trying to write both of these books. It's just expanded my idea of, of like, God is way bigger than I imagined, right? The universe is way bigger than I imagined. Human beings, I feel like we, we are not limited in all the ways we think we're limited. And that's really exciting. That's really beautiful to me. And so exploring the reality of that oneness and connection that we have with God and that we have with one another because of that, uh, or Christ or whatever you want to call it, that's exciting to me. That's, that's where I want to go. Whatever's down the road, that's where I want to go. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think for the next books, you should you should do the same trilogy. You rewrite them, but drop acid. Okay. <laughs> that would be interesting. And then, and then we'll see what happens when, when Keith uh, trips balls and then writes about the <laughs> Well, I, 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 like I said, the mushroom, I... The Mushroom Chronicles. I, I think I'm done with theology, at least for a while. So yeah. after... So Solid Davis is kind of my last book on theology. My next one's going to be more like human consciousness and, and uh, hypnosis and the unconscious mind. Some diving into, into young, maybe. A little, yeah, oh yeah. Are you oh, big time. Little, I mean, yeah. a little bit of that shadow work, a little bit of that. I mean, there's, what's, what, what's interesting to me is um, how much of my um, narrow Christian upbringing kept me away from stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, I think I would have delved more into the sciences. I think I would have dived deeper into psychology and things like that, just because even just a little bit that we've talked about here with quantum mechanics and quantum, you know, this whole idea. I remember going to a Rob Bell thing a few years ago and he, he does his deal, you know, where he oh, yeah, yeah. dabbles in the, in the quantum stuff. He's like, it's like, you're all stardust. Like, there's really one, there's one element of everything. We're all made of the same thing. Yeah, you know, and so and it comes from a star. Yeah, yeah, and it's all this sort of you know you know dial it back to the to the singularity and the big bang and all the stuff. And he goes, that does not preclude a creator. Just means it, it probably can't be the one that we've always been told it was. You know, and you know, so it certainly can't be as narrowly defined as we've tried to all these years. That's right. Which to me is so much more fun than than you know trying to carve out this image of God that looks a very specific way and oddly enough looks always like us. So, of course. Yeah, that's really the other not. problem. Yeah, I talk that about that on the book too. Problem. How we, we've made God, like the Christian view of God is very, it's like a big man, right? Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's a, it's a person and it's like, you know, but just like magnified, right? So that's why God is jealous and angry and wrathful and, you know, repents and all this stuff, like, just like we do. We just, we have projected all these things onto God. And like part of what I'm trying to do is untangle all that stuff and say, no. I, I think that's all projection. Whatever God is, I don't think God is anything like that. Yeah. I mean, even was it, was it Voltaire? I think it was one of his famous quotes is, in the beginning, God created man and we returned the favor. That's right. That's exactly so, right. That's a, yeah. Classic I don't quote. think, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just becoming enough of a heretic that most of what you're saying doesn't sound all that heretical to me. So I'm not sure. Right. I, might, I might not be the, the best litmus test for this, but. Well, I'm, I'm just, at a point where I don't care if anyone thinks I'm a heretic anymore. <laughs> but, you know, like, that's why I do a podcast called Heretic Happy Hour. I just don't you care. You can't, at this point, you couldn't sell books unless you were like super heretical. I mean, like, that's like, right. Keith has gone tame. I'm not buying this book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I let people down. They're like, Keith, I thought you were a heretic. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> 
So, all right. I know you got a hard out. We want to make sure and be, be, uh, be uh, mindful of your time, but want to make sure and remind everybody the books, the books, all of them, and including the new one, are all available uh, where fine books are sold. I'm sure uh, you can find them all in all the usual places. Uh, but also don't forget to check out the podcasts. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the Keith's world. There's all kinds of new stuff coming from choir. So just kind of kind of be on the lookout for all the all the fun stuff that's heading down the road. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this thank has been you. great. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks, Keith, man. All right, love you guys. Love you too, man. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash this is not church where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.